And, you know, I kind of decided when I saw all that information, I just decided, you know what? I have actually had enough rejection in my life. So if this is not going to turn out into a decent situation, if this doesn't look like it's going to be really good and I am not about to hurt this woman again, then I'm just going to call it quits. This is over and I am not going to, I'm just not going to do this. Who am I? 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 This is Who Am I Really? A podcast about adoptees that have located and connected with their biological family members. I'm Damon Davis, and on today's show is Anna. She called me from Indiana, where she and her husband have a blended family of seven children some from previous marriages, and a few children they had together, but all siblings. Siblings are an interesting undercurrent at different times in Anna's story, from being adopted and living as her own birth mother's sibling, to the support of her siblings in reunion who never let her pull too far away from the family she found. Anna shares how she survived tragic losses, physical abuse, and a life without parental figures. This is Anna's journey. I usually ask adoptees to tell me about their childhood in adoption with the expectation that we'll get to their reunification with their birth parents later in their journey. But Anna's story is different because her adoption is tied into her birth mother's life at home. Her birth mom was unmarried in 1966 when she got pregnant in Oregon. She was living clear across the state from her parents when she called to let them know she was having a baby. Shortly after Anna's birth, her mother left their home and soon she was gone. She called her parents and said, I'm pregnant. They came and got her, and uh, she basically lived out the rest of her pregnancy at home. Pretty much the way it went is she went into the hospital to have a baby, and she walked out of the hospital with a brand new baby sister. Wait, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm I'm not following at all. My grandparents made her let them adopt me. Ah, interesting. So right from the moment you were delivered, your grandparents had the intent to adopt you. And you became your own mother's sibling. Wow. Yes. So how did that go in your house? Uh, It it did not go very well. My mother ended up, uh, there's a couple different stories on this. My mother ended up, uh, leaving. Um, one story is that, well, she got a job, so she had to, you know, leave the house and move to the other place. You know, people make that trip every day because it was just the next town over. Mm-hmm. She did not. Um, the story that I got from her friend was that she was more or less rooted out of the house. Mm-hmm. You feel like she was like, pushed out. Yeah. Yeah. Do you yeah. know why? So, I I honestly don't. <laughs> I mean, I, I know that my grandmother was very possessive of me. I mean, I can look back, but my mother died when I was three. So most oh. of my memories are after that. So, you know, I mean, it's kind of hard. Was she clinging to me because my mother died and the circumstances were horrible? 
Or did she cling to me because, you know, she was possessive and basically took me away from my mom? I'm not sure. Wow. So your mother, who gave birth to you at 18, and Mm -hmm. you were then adopted by her parents, and you two became Mm -hmm. siblings. Your Mm -hmm. mother, your sibling, died at 21. Yes. Oh, gosh. What happened? Um, She was in a fatal shooting. It was an accident. There was a a rifle on a mantle, and they pulled it down. Apparently, it was loaded. It got aimed at her face somehow, and it went off. There was a closed casket funeral for her. Dang, that is so sad. I'm sorry. Yeah. So Anna's grandmother is clinging tightly to her granddaughter, now her daughter. I was so curious about why her mother was pushed out of the house. The family felt she was into drugs and hanging out with hippies, but based on what Anna learned, she doesn't agree that was true. So your mother, who is really your grandmother, so your grandmother, who adopted you, is now clinging tightly to you, or had been even, even through your first three years. Yeah, I think so. Did you get the impression, you know, I'm trying to feel out why your mother, (laughs) I'm having trouble, I apologize, I don't mean to laugh, Um, I'm I'm trying to figure out why your grandmother might have been pushing your mother out. Did you get the impression she was in with a bad crowd or anything? Um. Well, the family says that she was, uh, you know, really deep into drugs and was, you know, hippie. That was the favorite word in the 60s. Mm-hmm. She was hanging out with a bunch of hippies and everything. Um, when I when I did a lot of my searching, I just did not find this knee deep into trouble thing. I'm not I can't say for sure that they that they exaggerated, but it. It really did seem like that after I gathered some evidence up, you know. You spoke um, with her friends? Did, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and they just reported, you know, yes, she did smoke some weed, you know. But yeah, yeah, classic. She was a very, yeah, she was a very, she was a very mellow person. She was a very quiet person. Mm-hmm. And she was honestly trying to work and and get herself together so she could come back and get me according to her best friend wow that's admirable and there's definitely going to be a difference in stories there there will certainly be a difference in stories between what the family feels who lived through her pregnancy and her teenage years and Mm -hmm. you know there's a generational gap where the parents are like things weren't like this when i was a kid and they think that everything the child is doing is like on the worst path possible Versus yeah. the reality where the child was just living in the time that they grew up and were just a different person and therefore might not have been in bad circles or anything like that. But it just seems like yeah. that. that's classic family dynamics. Yeah. So you have to kind of take that stuff with a, with a grain of salt. Yeah, totally agree. Absolutely agree. And, and so um, the I, I know that according to uh, my mother's friend, I know that she used to come and visit me as often as, as she could. Mm. And almost every time she would come to visit me, she would get turned away after she left. Really? Yeah. It sounds like it was the ceremonial, of course, you can come see the child that you brought into this world. But thank you very much for your visit and goodbye. 
Right. Wow. Yeah. That must have been so hard for her, too, because if she was on the path to try to get you back, she is basically she's lost you and she's been yeah. rejected by her parents. That's a horrible position to be in. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That must have been tough. Anna said the first eight years growing up with her grandmother were awesome, but she never understood why she didn't have a mom and dad. She always called her grandmother grandma. Anna was never allowed to call her mom. It's not clear if her grandmother's decision about what she should be called was made before or after her birth mother's death. But now as an adult, Anna's okay with how she referred to her grandmother because it gave Anna's identity a foundation. I didn't understand why I didn't have a mom and dad, mostly because I didn't understand that other families were different than mine at the time. Mm -hmm. And so um, when I would come home and I would say, well, I need a mom and dad. Everybody else has a mom and dad. And my grandmother said, well, I am your grandmother. I will always be your grandmother. You had a mother and she is gone. And it's really sad that she's gone, but you can only have one mom. And that was Kathy. That was her. Hmm. Looking so back on that, that, what do you think about that now as an adult who has children of her own? How, what do you think about that statement now? I really appreciate that statement now. Mm -hmm. um, Why? I appreciate it. I appreciate it for a lot of reasons, but um, I mostly appreciate it because um, that enhanced how I made decisions later to include being a mother today. How do you mean? Well, because I ended up going into foster homes, and I'm sure we'll get into that later. Yeah. But um, it gave me a sense of identity when who I was was getting tossed around every which direction. You know, because yeah. it didn't matter where I went. It didn't matter who was taking care of me. I was Anna. I had one mother. It was a rope to hang on to. Hmm. Yeah. I could see how that would be. Um an anchor, a, a source of stability. That is good. Yeah. The reason I asked that question about how you felt about it was because when you started this particular piece and you said, my grandmother never allowed me to call her mom, it sounded like you had a little bit of pain over that. But then as you talked about it more, it, sound, it did sound grounding and I was a little bit confused and I wanted to see where your mind was on it. Yeah, well, I think the reason why it gives me pain is because I'm not sure if she decided to do this after my mom died or while she was alive. And my gut tells me she didn't do that until after my mom died. We speculated on whether or not Anna's mother may have insisted that her grandmother only be known as grandma if she planned to grow up with the infant she gave birth to next to her as a sibling. She might have insisted on that arrangement. Unfortunately, Anna will never know. She said her first eight years with her grandmother were great. She was the focus of her grandmother's life. And her grandmother was loving and affectionate, gave her hugs, told stories, and even taught Anna to read before she started school. Among the stories Anna liked to hear were those about her mother. I heard so much about my mother the first eight years of my life. Hmm. It was, you know, and, and I love the stories. It was like, tell me about my mom. Yeah. And she would, you know, come yeah. up and, and talk about her. It was really cool. I'll bet it was. Were you clear on who your mother was? Absolutely. Yeah. I had, I never had a question about who my mom was. Oh, that's good. So things were good. 
Mm-hmm. You had a great first eight years. Then what happened? Mm-hmm. Then my grandmother died. Oh. What happened to her? I honestly don't know what sickness she started off with. She ended up dying of double pneumonia in the hospital. Oh, man. That's too bad. How was that for you? You've you've lost two really important people in your life. That must have been tr- traumatic at best. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was very, it it was very traumatic. And then um, what's worse is that after, after my grandmother died, my grandfather just kind of, oh my gosh, I was feral. I mean, I, I have no better way to describe that. I was a feral child mm. from the time I got home from school until he got home at six or seven o'clock at night because he worked for the state department. So I was a feral child. I ran, thank goodness it was a little town, but I ran the length of that town every day after school. Did he comfort you after your grandmother passed away? No. No, he did not. Did he withdraw into himself? Yes, very much. Mm. Very much. I was not allowed to talk about grandmas at all. Oh, no. Yeah. This woman who has would... sat you on her lap, read you stories, spent mm-hmm. everything she could on you, and tried to bring you happiness and joy, especially in the absence of your own mother, is mm-hmm. gone, and now you can't even talk about her. Right. Yeah, that must have been really horrible. Anna was out and about, all over town on her bicycle, eating all the candy she wanted, and collecting cans to recycle for money. She was on her own. She was a preteen, and only a year after her grandmother's death, her grandfather got remarried to a woman he barely knew. She absolutely hated me. The woman seemed to have issues of her own. Her son's wife died, so she was taking care of his two children while he was away at school. When he finished school, he remarried and returned for his children, but she didn't want to give them up. He had to forcibly remove his own children from his mother's care. Therefore, the fact that my grandfather had me still in tow uh, seemed to be a real trigger for her or an issue. Yeah. Yeah. She pushed you away before you guys could get close because she had already had that that same experience. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. God, that. Wow. That's three in a short, short life. Yeah. So did you live with them at all? Yeah, I did. I lived with him for close to two years after uh, he got married because I was nine when he got married. And at 11 years old, you know, the guy I told you that had had the kids, her son, Mm -hmm. he uh, took me in and I went to go live with them. Really? Yeah. So her son had gone away, left his own Mm -hmm. children with his mother. His Mm -hmm. mother hates you. And mm-hmm. they're ready to put you out. And her son took you in. And how did that go? Uh, I mean, it, it must have really, been weird, but. Yeah, it went really well because uh, they had a daughter that was the same age as me. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got along really well. Um, I would say, honestly, you know, the biggest reason why it, the biggest problem that we had was that I don't think they were aware of how messed up of a little kid they were bringing into their home. Why do you because, say that? What, what happened? 
Well, um, they did everything they could. And, they, and like, if you look at it on paper, all the different things that they did, they did everything right. But one of the problems that I think existed, at least, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, um, is that when I went to go live with him, my grandfather posed this as though it was my choice. Like, you can go live with them if you want to. Well, of course I want to. His wife is beating me on a daily basis. Oh, she was abusive. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And I think a lot of the reason why her son asked if he could take me in is because when I was getting dressed down for PE, the coach saw a bunch of bruises on me and sent me to the office, and I thought I was in trouble. Mm-hmm. Mm. And um, so they they made her go to two or three counseling sessions. Mm-hmm. And then she just, you know, refused to go after that and so on and so forth. A few months later, I'm getting offered to go live with my <laughs> my stepbrother. I don't know. The dynamics of this family is so weird. I never know what to call everybody. <laughs> I can only imagine. Jeez. And that's the least of the challenges. <laughs> yeah. So she was beating you. They offered you to go live with her son. Did you get the sense at all that your grandfather was offering you protection from his own wife? Uh, you know, that is, that is a possibility. Honestly, I think it's really hard because I'm very emotional about this. So it's hard for me to pull the emotions out of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, it really just feels like basically what happened was he got stuck with me and he didn't want me anymore when there wasn't anybody who wanted me. There were no you know? nurturers left to right. take care of you. Someone had always had that position and now it was on him and he wasn't equipped to do it. Right. So Anna lived with her stepbrother when she was about 11 years old. They had a good family raising the children together and Anna credits their parenting back then for the roots of her own mothering today. However, at that time, her life had already been turned upside down over and over in her young life. She started getting bad grades in school, and her new parents were after her to perform better. But there was a storm brewing inside of Anna that she couldn't clearly articulate at the time. I started getting angry. I can't say at the time I was able to tell them that there's an anger brewing inside of me, and I feel like a volcano. Yeah. But at the time, you know, because then it's like, well, everybody's taking care of you and you've got like, you've got a really good situation here. Why would you be so angry? Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of it is because I was absolutely not allowed to express anything Mm -hmm. until I got into their home. And as things started easing up, as things started going fairly good, then you know how like the real you starts coming out? Yeah. Well, the real me was really angry. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, hell yeah, I bet it was. Jeez. Mm. And so they didn't understand that. And I can't I can't blame them for not understanding. Right. You know, but they started kind of really getting on my case. Well, after being given an option, you can go live with somebody else if you want to. Um, I think I kind of got the idea that I was now in charge of my destiny. Yeah, I could see how you would have that feeling. And so they made the terrible threat <laughs> and of, you know, you either need to shape up, girlfriend, or you are going to have to ship out. 
because mm-hmm. you are not towing the line and you need to do this. And I think they thought they were giving me pretty much an idle threat. Mm-hmm. But I took it to heart, and I found uh, one of my grandmother's friends who happened to be a foster parent. Mm-hmm. I called her up and said, "I need a place to go." Wow, you created your own foster situation. I did. Wow, I've never heard of that before. Anna's grandmother's friend, a foster care provider, picked Anna up on the last day of school. She had brought everything she owned to school in a cardboard box, which she then took to the woman's house. Anna said the transition started off rough. Even though her grandfather was informed Anna was moving in with the woman and he didn't do a single thing to stop it, when the move happened, her grandfather was highly embarrassed and he felt the woman had betrayed him. On the phone, he said he was going to pick Anna up. But he lived an hour away and the woman had a plan for Anna when she left with him. It was a plan that Anna's grandfather's wife would quickly activate with her own actions. In the hour that it took for him to come and get me, she gave me every step, everything I had to say, everything I had to do to run away, get caught, and then uh, get put into the foster system by force. Wow. That's really fascinating. What, What did you need to do? Um, I had to run away. I had to swear to them that if they put me back in the home again, that I would run away even further next time and make sure that I didn't get caught. Wow. It's a, it's an oddly beautiful and awful plan at the same time. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. (laughs) It is. It is really crazy. And did it work? Yeah. So you got put into foster care, but then did you have the choice to go back and live with her? Like, where where did you go? Yeah. Yeah, I went back to live with her. Oh, man. That was masterful. But see, my, my, my step-grandmother made it really easy because when I ran away, she came at me in the garage with a two-by-four. So it was – she made – she actually, like, the plan was in place. But she fed that to me in a silver spoon, I swear. So basically the plan was get into a situation that seems worthy of of running away. I mean, that was a criteria. It had to be something big enough to run away. Mm. And you know it'll happen because it has happened a million times before. So you knew it was just coming. Yeah. Oh, man. And so, she, so then I just had to wait for a situation run away, and then basically stay gone for more than 24 hours. That was a trick. I had to stay gone for more than 24 hours. I had to show the state of Oregon that I could be a very successful runaway. Oh, yeah. Interesting. So what did you do? Did you you put a bag around the corner that was hidden so that you could actually survive and and have sustenance for that 24-hour? Like, I mean, you had a plan, so it was just a matter of when she was. I did have a plan. Yeah, so how did I? I did have a plan. I had a duffel bag, and I had a 10 speed, and I had a town 30 miles down. (laughs) And you were rolling. Wow, that's unreal. I did. Did you hide when you got to the other town? Um, At first, I was hiding, but then I had a friend that I went to school with, and fortunately, her mom was pretty gullible. Mm-hmm. And her friend said she's visiting from out of town. Can she please spend the night before she has to leave? 
and her mom was gullible and let me stay there for two nights. I think her mom probably knew. She should have known. <laughs> but she, she let it happen. Anna told me she couldn't believe she pulled off that plan, but she's glad it worked. Anna stayed with her foster mother during her sophomore year and half of her junior year in high school. Unfortunately, one of the other foster children, a girl from Anna's hometown, bullied Anna mercilessly. The two girls were like oil and water, and to that point, Anna had never really stood up for herself before. The bully was also a teen mother, but not a very good one. She wasn't waking up in the middle of the night when the baby cried, but Anna did, and she got very close to the infant. I ended up getting super attached to this baby. Mm, really? Yeah, because I was getting up with her in the middle of the night, and I was a cheerleader, and I would take her to my cheerleader practices with me and everything. I, I like, every chance I got, I was, I was hanging on to that baby. That's fascinating. Why do you think, I mean, I can't help but think that somebody who had the tumultuous start that you did and had been sort of passed around you now seem to be nurturing a child that's not your own and is the child of somebody who you hate. Yeah. Do you think you were just transferring the love that you wish that you had onto this child at the same time and maybe didn't know it? Uh, you know, that's, that's really a possibility. That's really a possibility. That's amazing. But when she decided that she was going to get really mean and tell me I could not, have anything to do with that baby anymore it broke my heart oh i'm sure mm. and mm. so uh not long after that i i ran away from that foster home <laughs> wow because i i am in charge of my own destiny i mean i really think they made a mistake by telling me um if you don't like what's going on you're in charge change it anna bounced in and out of temporary foster homes Things were challenging because the system had pulled some strings to allow her to stay with her grandmother's friend, but it was out of her home district where she qualified for services. Lots of paperwork was shuffling about within the bureaucracy to place Anna appropriately within the correct system since she ran away from that home. At each foster home, she was quiet, biding her time, giving the adults a false sense of who she was. The volcano inside of her was temporarily quiet, she said her caseworker was a genius because she placed her in a foster home way out on an Indian reservation that was down in a gorge. Any escape attempt was uphill in both directions. But it was a good foster home for Anna, and it's where she built bonds. Anna explains why. Number one, she didn't try to fight the fact that I was independent. She actually embraced it. Mm -hmm. And um, I think at that time I was just so tired of being tough. Mm -hmm. And I was just, I was just tired. And I think she recognized that. And, and it was just a combination of good timing, uh, kind of a no nonsense foster mom. And, um, uh, she was a terrible role model, but she was everything I needed. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. You have these juxtapositions of the awful and the amazing at the same time. It's really unbelievable. Anna aged out of foster care and she said she just got dumped. There was nowhere to go, so 
she enlisted in the United States Army. For her, the part where she moved around every two years suited her just fine. She had moved around her whole life already. But Anna said she was a terrible soldier, even though she was smart and resourceful. She said it was after the Army that she started thinking about her biological father. Returning to the United States, Anna had family on her mind. I tried to have like some sort of relationship with my maternal family. You know, I've been gone all of these years. I went to, I lived in Germany. I came back from Germany with a child and uh, with uh, one in the oven. Wow. <laughs> and so I thought, you know, I need to, um, if it's possible, I need to give my child grandparents if I can. Mm-hmm. And um, my first two kids are mixed. They're half black. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't sure how that was going to go. Yeah, I can imagine. But um, that, you know, the fact that they were mixed actually went pretty well. Mm-hmm. What part didn't um, go well? <laughs> the fact that there were two of them? What? Yeah, well, I was the last person on earth who should have had kids, blah, 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 blah. I mean, these people didn't know me. I didn't live with them since I was 11. Mm. But they had a lot of good opinions about me that they were sure they knew more than anybody else. I assume so, good is in quotes, in air quotes of sarcasm. Yes. Yeah. So I started asking when I was trying to make some sort of a relationship, I started asking a bunch of stuff about my biological father where is this guy who is this guy and it's a question i had asked all my life mm-hmm. and nobody had the answers to i mean basically when my mother died and my grandmother died they were the two people who knew who he was and they were not around to tell me mm. the information went to the grave with them so anna started contacting her birth mother's friends but as she spoke with them she learned there are two sides to every story I found the one good friend who actually knew some things, but the things she told me were complete opposite of the things that that my family had told me. In, stuff in like, what way? She, well, it was stuff like she wasn't really on drugs, she wasn't really a problem. She, you know, because they they made it sound like basically my mother had dumped me off on my grandparents and just went on to live a happy life. And that so you know? was not the case. And that was very much not the case. You know, they were like, she was, the family said that she was, you know, so misguided. She would follow anybody. You know, she was very naive and um, she just got in with the wrong crowd. And um, my, uh, my mom's friend said that, you know, maybe that was true to a small extent, but it wasn't to the, to the way that they exaggerated all that Mm -hmm. uh the people that she ended up dying at she uh, that probably was not the best place for her but it wasn't the worst place for her either Mm -hmm. Mm. but what was most important was she knew that my father was married when my mom conceived me oh okay and and she knew that my father had a couple kids and uh, she also knew that the reason why my mother did not uh, go and involve him into my life was because she did not want to be a homewrecker. Anna was getting clues about how Kathy had gotten pregnant, but Kathy's friends couldn't remember the man's name. Still, Anna knew from that point that she had siblings, and that knowledge was motivational. Anna didn't know if her biological father was aware of her existence. 
I would say most of my driving force from that time on was the fact that, you know, maybe my, maybe my father knows, maybe he doesn't. Mm-hmm. I knew that, but I knew that I had siblings. And if he didn't want anything to do with me, that was fine. I can handle rejection. Lord knows I'm a pro at that stuff. But my siblings did not have that option. So I was going to go find my siblings. Even though she was highly motivated, Anna waited many years to start searching. It wasn't until after her grandfather passed away. But before we get to that, Anna took me back to her birth family's habit of casting people out of the family. I just want to add, when he got rid of me, the rest of the family got rid of me too. So when I show up, they're like, what is she doing here? Yeah, I guess I didn't really think about that. I mean, aunts, uncles. Yeah, because my mother had had a brother and a sister. And you were just cast out. Neither one of them stepped up. Yeah. Mm. No, no, not at all. In fact, they were kind of glad. I'm pretty sure that my mother's brother, my uncle, just saw me as, well, there's another mouth to feed and we're broke, so this really sucks. Mm, mm, mm. That's that's the impression I got from him. Yeah. And, uh, and my mother's sister, this is also like its own tragic story. She was booted out of the house when she was two years old. What? Yeah, this is a habit. This is not just like this thing that they did to me. This is not just me. It's not personal. It's a habit. That's really unbelievable. How do you get a kid? What? Who boots a kid out of two? And she was the middle child. She wasn't the oldest. She wasn't the youngest. She was the middle child. They just, they gave her to my grandfather's brother. They just gave her to him. Mm, mm, mm. He couldn't have kids. Here, have one of mine. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that was a complex situation unto itself. Wow. But to hear that this is a rep- repetitive thing in your own family, that must have been. Yeah. And then my alarm. mother's. Yeah. My mother's brother, my uncle, he had two children. And when his wife and his oldest child, because he got remarried, he shipped her off to to our house, my grandfather and my step-grandmother, mm. who is, by the way, like super abusive. So there was two of us getting abused at the same time in that oh, household no. for a while. Are you serious? And nobody was listening. This is awful. This is terrible. This woman just beats the crap out of us and nobody heard us. They all said we were making it up. That's hard to hear. Wow. Because then you have to suffer and endure until someone, and I mean, you obviously did, and you obviously had to create your own solution, but damn, it's just hard to think that's, that a child could actually be open and uh, bold and strong enough to self-advocate, and then nobody's listening. That's unreal. Yeah. yeah. Around 2013, after Anna returned from the drama-ridden funeral, she decided it was time to try DNA testing. She had seen so many stories of adoptees locating biological family members on Ancestry DNA and 23andMe, she figured it had to be worth a shot. But she said she felt guilty about wanting to find them. For some odd reason, she felt like she was offending her biological family, even though they wanted nothing to do with her. It was some form of guilt she still can't explain. Anna did a lot of research about family members, but some of the facts weren't adding up in her findings, and she lost signal on some of her branches of the tree. Then, 
three years ago, the day after Thanksgiving. My father shows up at the top of my list. What? Yeah. He had taken a DNA test. What did yeah. you think when you saw that? Where were you? How did it go down? Oh, my gosh. I got up. I let my dogs out. <laughs> I came in, signed into my ancestry, which is a habit I've been doing. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, I, I think I sat there for over an hour just, like, looking at it and not knowing exactly what I was going to do next because <sighs> I was so engrossed in the hunt that it didn't occur to me that one day I might actually, <laughs> might actually find that guy. <laughs> the dog that caught the ice cream truck. You're like, yeah. now what do I do? <laughs> right. That's amazing. Good for you. Her birth father had entered his full name and full information on Ancestry DNA. At the time, Anna belonged to a Facebook DNA group with members who were search angels. One of the search angels offered to walk her through what to do next in a private message. She knew the next few moves were really sensitive, offering suggestions on how to word messages, what to do, and walking her through the process. Anna said she wrote at least 15 versions of her introductory note before she sent the one she was comfortable with. He didn't respond to that note, but it was only because he wasn't good at checking back for updates on Ancestry. So, I, I ended up sending a Christmas card saying, hey... It looks like we are uh, related on Ancestry, and I just, you know, wanted to send you a Christmas card and wish you a happy holiday. After he received Anna's card, her birth father got in contact with her, and of course, he had some questions. Anna was cautious about how she approached the whole situation. She had been through enough, and her mother's position on the whole situation when she was pregnant decades before was on Anna's mind. His first thing to me was, who are you? And I don't blame him. I'd be asking who I was too. Yeah. So I said, well, according to ancestry, I am your daughter. Mm. And then, and then it, it hit him. This is for real. And what did he say? Did he respond? Uh, you know, he was shocked that he, he knew who I was. He knew where I came from. You know, he, he knew about it and he, and he is still married to the woman he was married to when him, when my mother and him were together. Oh boy. Wow. Yeah. So I was really delicate about this. And, you know, I kind of decided when I saw all that information, I just decided, you know what? I have actually had enough rejection in my life. So if this is not going to turn out into a decent situation, if this doesn't look like it's going to be really good and I am not about to hurt this woman again, then I'm just going to call it quits. This is over and I am not going to, I'm just not going to do this. Wow. That's really thoughtful of you to recognize that you came in about as a result of a situation that you had no control over and that this woman had already been hurt once by the situation itself. That it must have been a hard thing to get to arrive at, though. Well, you know, the thing is, is and again, I, I have this deep connection with my mother. Thank you, Grandma. Because she did not want to be a homewrecker. And those words were just sitting in my brain. Mm -hmm. My mother did not want me, did not want the fact that I existed to be a homewrecking situation for him. Mm. So now I don't want the fact that I exist to be a home wrecking situation for him mm -hmm. either. 
I asked Anna what happened next and how things went for her and her birth father to really be in touch with one another. He told her that he needed to tell his other daughters, Anna's sisters, but he didn't want to have that discussion during the holidays. But when the holidays passed, Anna hadn't heard anything and she got concerned. The holidays end and, and you know, he's kind of not getting back with me. So, of course, my paranoid brain, I said, well, I think he's having second thoughts about telling them about me. So I sent him, I sent him an email and I said, you know what, if this is going to be a problem, the honest truth is I've been rejected a lot in my life. So I can handle rejection, but I need you to just be up front with me. You know, yeah. and he's like, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it today. So he did that wow. day. God, that must've been a heavy conversation. Yeah, it was. What? I mean, my sisters are like, oh my gosh, I could not believe it. One of my sisters said, um, I know I'm supposed to wait until everybody knows, <laughs> but I found you on Facebook and we're going to have a conversation. <laughs> Wow, good for her. So, yeah, so she was she was the first one to start talking to me. That's great. And then here's the kicker. <laughs> My father adopted a family of six kids so that they could be kept together when their parents committed suicide. There was a double suicide thing. Holy mackerel. So he adopted six kids. So two of the people that I call my sisters are are adopted by him. Wow, really? Yeah. It's all so complex. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible, though. I mean, what a huge heart that that family had to keep those siblings together, because that can be a very devastating thing for a family. The sibling separation is yeah. awful. That's amazing yeah. that he did that. Yeah. And when I saw that on paper, that was kind of my, you know, like, do I want to get a hold of this guy? Do I not want to get a hold of this guy? When I found out he adopted six kids, mm -hmm. uh, coming from the foster home system, I knew when I saw that he adopted six kids that he was trying to keep a family together. Mm -hmm. So that, that hit me in a warm spot because I was like, this has to be a good guy. Nobody takes on six kids that don't belong to them. Anna shared that she has a sister that lives in Missouri, about eight hours away from her home, and that sister invited their father and Anna to meet at her house. I asked her what that meeting was like. It was really surreal for me. I mean, I don't know what it was for him, but it was really surreal for me. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, and, and I still struggle with this a little bit. Um, I've never had a father figure. That was really a father figure. Yeah. So trying to wrap my head around what, what do you do with a dad? I still don't have that figured out. I can imagine. Cause he's also new to this. I mean, he's clearly been a parent for a mm -hmm. very long time, done it before, done it. It sounds like more than six, seven, eight times, but he's introducing somebody who's an adult into yeah. A parent child relationship and that's something that I would imagine a lot of people don't know how to do yeah and you've had a gang of surreal situations that brought you to this point of even finding and and trying to meet him and that's stuff that's it's hard to catch somebody up on it's hard to explain it and 
Yeah, I could see how it would be really challenging to suddenly have a father figure one, but sounds like a positive father figure two, which you've never had. Yeah, right, right. I mean, it's, it's really pleasant to be attached to somebody. I mean, even though it's an awkward attachment, it's really nice to be attached to somebody that I feel is a good person. You know, I mean, that's really cool. I have not had that since I was eight years old. In that first meeting, Anna noticed she and her father both get deeply geeky about topics they love on YouTube. But she also learned they share an aptitude for the same things. He had been in the United States Navy working as an electrician, and her job in the Army was as an electronics technician. About five months after their first meeting, Anna drove to her father's house to meet her sisters and his wife. They lived just a few miles from where he and Anna's mother, Kathy, had gotten together. She stayed at her father's place for a week, sleeping in his RV parked next to his house. Anna said that meeting her sisters was really emotional, but his wife was the key to the success of their reunion. She is an amazing woman. Mm -hmm. She is why this all works. Really? How so? Uh, yeah, because um, for one, she's very wise. Uh, she's a very wise woman. She has done nothing but encourage me and my sisters and my father to get to know each other. And uh, she sent me a letter uh, before I met all of them, you know, because I was I, I made sure as much as he was talking to me, I was like, this will not go down unless I know she's OK with this. Yeah. And right. so she sent me a letter herself and said, this is this is perfectly OK. This is not your fault. Oh, that's I really don't sweet. harbor any bad, bad feelings towards you at all. And she doesn't. She is so sweet. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. That's really And cool. so. Yeah, you know, what's really awesome is I gained a bonus mom. That's what I call her. She's my <laughs> bonus mom. I gained a bonus mom. That's awesome. Yeah, she's she's an amazing person. I wondered how Anna's family had been affected by her search. They waited patiently, held their tongues as much as they could, and stood by her during the search. They were astonished when she finally found her biological father, and she could feel their collective sentiment. If these people hurt my mom, I swear I'm going to kill them. Especially her oldest son. He witnessed firsthand the turmoil in her birth mother's family and Anna's hard work to try to get the relationships to work out with no positive outcomes. She said things are going well with her birth father's huge family. Yeah, we talk daily. And if I don't, if because sometimes I get, I don't know, a little too into my own brain. Yeah. And if I, if I back up a little bit they're like hey where are you mm. you better be talking to us you know <laughs> so yeah they they reel me back in and that's really important to me yeah because a lot of the failures that happened when i was a kid was the fact that i said i'm leaving and people were like bye <laughs> yeah that's Go a ahead. good point yeah you know like nobody stopped me from leaving and mm -hmm. my sister's just they're stubborn and it's awesome they won't let me leave. <laughs> That's exactly what you need because a lot of people feel that the people that they've met have to love them, right? But yeah, they are, they want to love you and they are going to continue to reel you in. And, and you're right. It's exactly the opposite of what you experienced. And it sounds like exactly what you need because, yeah. you know, between, 
you know, sort of fight or flight responses to things, you throughout your life were trained to fly. And, yes. and it sounds like they're helping you to feel grounded in their family. And that's really, really awesome. Yeah. Naturally, given all that Anna has been through, I wondered what her experiences had done to shape her as a parent. She said some of what she learned, she taught to her children. And some of what was taught to her, she steers her children away from in their parenting. It's kind of funny because I always felt like the lone person out there. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing where my kids are resembling their cousins. And so, um, like, some of the things that we've always thought were oddities, well, now they're not so odd because they resemble other people, Mm. you know. So I kind of raised my kids to be lone sharks out there. I don't think I meant to do that, you know. It's just that's how I survived. So that's what you teach your kids is your own survival tools, right? Yeah, that's right. (laughs) You teach what you know. Yeah. You know, the way you survive out there is you, you you are your own person. You are in charge of your of your destiny. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm here to help you, but you are ultimately in charge of your destiny. Mm-hmm. And I think I've had to come along to my older, you know, my kids. Like my daughter has two sons and she's a parent. So the advice I give her is a lot different than what I did with her. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, Hmm. like you don't have to be this tough as nails. You really don't. Like it it can work without all that. Anna has come a very long way. Things are going well with her birth father's family, and she and her sisters have gotten to a really good place together. But she recognizes that she has a lot to learn about what to do with a positive father figure in her life. We closed with her thoughts. Now I'm the one who has to do a lot of the work. Mm-hmm. Because I have, uh, I have to work on this, you know, because I, I really don't know what you do with a dad. I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, Father's Day comes along, and I think I should be sending him a Father's Day gift or a Father's Day card or mm-hmm. something. Yeah. But then I get frozen. Like, what do I do? Oh my gosh, you know, what do I say? I have a really hard time with that relationship. And it's all me. I mean, it's not that he doesn't reach out. He does. And every time we've talked, he's been the one to reach out. Really? Yeah. Man, you're still struggling with how to do it. That's so fascinating. You know, it's a funny thing because I what I've heard you say, the example you gave is struggling with a major situation, right? And I wonder if it wouldn't be better to start with smaller bits, right? Like just buy a stack of blank cards, right? Keep it on your desk, stamp them all, address them all. And then just in that, like in a fleeting moment when you're like, I wonder what he's doing, just write it down. Hey, I was thinking about you and just send it and just build it from little teeny tiny bites as opposed to feeling like I need to understand the entire universe of what a daughter does with a father just yeah. like build the friendship because you're both adults, right? He's yeah. not going to sit you on his knee and read you a story. So no. it sounds like you have to bite off smaller chunks than what it sounds like your brain is trying to swallow. And oh, I, yeah. I think that would be a really, and that might not be the thing for you, cards or whatever, but text messages, whatever the, like a short email yeah. that says, hey, my son just did this and he's a geek just like us. Whatever the thing is, yeah, it yeah. sounds like just 
little in the moment bits are going to help you to feel more and more sort of attachment to the fact that this is, you know, a parent, but also like my friend. Yeah, that's a good idea. I like that idea. Yeah. So do it in the moment. Don't wait for big, big stuff to happen and don't like put a bunch of pressure on it. Just take little teeny bits. Yeah. Wow. Gosh, what an adventure your life has been, Anna. Oh my gosh. It's really unbelievable. I can't say I've had a boring life. No, no. (laughs) But you sound grounded though. You sound like you're doing okay. And it's amazing that you are because I think a lot of people could have crumbled under the pressure of what each situation uh, dealt you. And and it, yeah. it sounds like you're really in a strong place. You know, I, I've done a lot of, because um, I'm geeky, I've done a lot of research into like uh, uh, child development and all that. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of child development books will tell you that the first few years of your life are absolutely crucial and they do the foundation for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. So I credit a lot of my personal successes to the fact that the first eight years of my life were awesome. I think without that, without that, like I was very bonded without all of that. I don't know that I wouldn't have crumbled several different times in my life. Yeah. Wow. That's very fortunate. Not everybody gets it and you are lucky to have it for those first eight years. That's really amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. This has been (laughs) unbelievable. I'm so thankful that you're in a positive place, both with your sisters, with your father. Uh, Work on it a little bit at a time. You'll get there. But um, I'm really, really excited for you and having found them. And, you know, also that his wife was receptive to you being there, too, because that's a, a repetitive situation that you've been in as well. The idea that the paternal figure has a maternal, you know, a, a second wife or whatever the thing is, has a wife that is not fond of you. And to have that situation be a U-turn as well has also got to be, you know, very comforting for you. So I'm glad for you for that. Yeah, it really is. That's it's awesome. Great. All right. Take care and all the best to you. Okay. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, it's me. Anna's journey was really complex. The roller coaster of her adoption by her grandmother, her solid foundation in their home, then the loss of her mother and grandmother were a lot for a young life. It always warms my heart to hear about the people who try to care for children in their time of need, like her stepmother's son, who took Anna into his family, or her grandmother's friend, who gave her the tools to escape the abuse in her grandfather's house. In the end, it's got to feel pretty good to be welcomed into her birth father's family, surrounded by her sisters who counterbalance Anna's learned reaction to pull away and her birth father's persistence to reach out to her and maintain contact. It was interesting to hear that she struggles with learning how to respond to having a positive male figure in her life, and I hope the idea for her to bite off small chunks of contact with him will be helpful to her or or to someone else listening who is trying to figure out how to make it all work in their reunion. I'm Damon Davis, and I hope you'll find something in Anna's journey that inspires you, validates your feelings about wanting to search, or motivates you to have the strength along your journey to learn. Who am I, really? If you would like to share your adoption journey and your attempt to connect with your biological family, visit 
whoamireallypodcast.com slash share. You can also find the show at facebook.com slash waireally or follow me on Twitter at waireally. And please, if you like this show, you can subscribe to Who Am I Really on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, take a moment to share a rating or leave a comment. Those ratings can help others find the podcast too.